Hey, my name is Ryan McVitie, and I am the pastor of the River Worship. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. If you haven't heard about the river yet, it's an amazing move of God happening in the greater Toronto area. Yes, Toronto, Canada. It's a cold place, but we have warm hearts, and we love coming together every Tuesday night and worshiping the Lord with all we've got. We also get to dive into the Word, and that's where we're going to go right now. We're going to dive into the Word of God, and I trust and pray that it will impact you in a powerful way. If you're ever in the Toronto area, come visit us. We would love for you to worship with us together. But enjoy the message, and God bless you. Come on, if you're grateful that God has never given up on you, that God will never give up on you, Can we rise to our feet one more time, lift up our hands, lift up our voices, and give praise to the King of Kings? Come on, that's all right if you did it for me. Can we lift our voices and give praise to the Lord of Lords? Jesus is his name. Jesus is his name. And I'm just grateful that we serve a God that is more than able. When I look back over my life and I think things over, I can truly say that if it had not been for Jesus, does anybody have that testimony tonight? Come on. If it had not been for the Lord on my side, where would I be? But I'm grateful that he has not given up on me. Aren't you grateful that he hasn't given up on you? So let's celebrate Jesus one more time. Hallelujah. And God is so great that he never leaves us without great leadership. So we would be remiss if we did not take the time to celebrate the great leaders of this movement of God, Pastor Ryan and Pastor Lindsay. Come on, let's celebrate them. And while y'all blessed by the worship team, let's thank God for them and the musicians. My, my, my. So many have attempted to say that our generation doesn't want God. But I believe that the river is a testament that God is still here, that God is moving in the nation of Canada, that God is moving in the greater Toronto area. And I'm daring enough to believe that God is going to do even greater, even greater in the name of Jesus, that it will be said of us as it was said of the people of God in Acts 17 and 6, that those who came to turn the world upside down have come here also. So let's celebrate Jesus once more. All right. So while I have you on your feet, let's just stand for the reading of the word of the Lord. We're going to be in the book of Genesis. If you're not as familiar with scripture, it's the first book in the Bible, book of beginning. So it's not too hard to find We're going to be in Genesis chapter 32, Genesis chapter 32 tonight, and I'll be reading from the New International Version. And we're going to be reading from verses 24 through to 31. And it says, so Jacob was left alone. Somebody say alone. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched. And as he wrestled with the man, 
Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let go unless you bless me. Somebody say, unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? And Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. And Jacob said, please tell me, tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask me my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel saying, it is because I saw God face to face and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel and he was limping because of his hip. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we come in the name of Jesus. We surrender to you, God. We come with expectation. We come in anticipation of what it is that you will do. So we pray, Lord, that you would have your way. Lord, that you would meet us in the area of need and that you would do what only you can do tonight. I pray that the word would go forth with strength, with clarity, and with power, and that somebody would be able to testify that you met them here tonight. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. All right, so I just want to do a quick inventory check. Let me see the hand of all the movie lovers in the house tonight. Okay, okay, I see a few, I see a few. Let me see the hands of those who have watched Creed 3. Okay, okay. So for the ones who didn't, spoiler alert, uh, the story goes a little bit like this. There's a, there's a man in the, no, I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm playing. I'm not going to spoil it for you. I actually haven't watched it yet either. But I'm planning on watching it soon. And I realized that I hadn't yet watched Creed 1 or Creed 2. So I had to play a little catch up in preparation for, for Creed 3. But without spoiling too much, as I was watching Creed 2, there was something that really stood out to me. This heavyweight boxer, Adonis Creed, he is on the heels of one of the greatest moments of his life. He is the heavyweight champion of the world. And as he's on the heels of this great victory, there's a wrestler from overseas that sees the hype surrounding Adonis Creed. And he, think, he thinks to himself that it's time to dethrone him. And now it's time to seize this opportunity. So he challenges him to a match. What's interesting, though, is that the story gets a little crazy when you consider that the brother's name is Drago. And for all my old school movie lovers, Sylvester Stallone, Rocky, uh, Drago, his name is Victor, but he's the son of Ivan Drago, who just so happened to have been in a match with Adonis' father 30 years prior. And this wrestling match ended in the death of Apollo Creed. So much so this affected the life of Adonis that he was not even able to meet his father before he died. So after now being the victor, being the champion, he says, there's no way I'm going back down to this. He's feeling himself. Nobody can't tell him anything. He's proven himself. He's the champ. Somebody say he's the champ. And you know how it goes. When you're the champ and somebody challenges 
your authority, what's a challenge to a champion, right? Everybody around him, all his accountability said, no, you don't need to do it. And sometimes no doesn't mean never. It just simply means not yet because you may not be ready, but he's the champ, right? So he proceeds to do what he wants to do, even though everybody around him told him not to. He enters into the ring with Drago. He encounters some hits that he's never encountered before. He is exposed in a way that he's never been exposed before. And after a few hits to the right side of his chest, it, it breaks. He breaks his rib. The match ends with the disqualification of Drago, but the general consensus was that Creed lost. And not only does he have to deal with the embarrassment of losing, but he has to now deal with the painful reality that his ribs are broken. And I want you to put a pin there for a second as we lead into our text tonight. Before our time together, I want to speak to you from this thought. In fact, can you help me say the title of this message? Lean over to the person beside you and just say, neighbor, it had to break. All right, look over at the other neighbor. Get your preacher voice on and say, neighbor, it had to break. All right, our, 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 our text finds us centered on the story of a man by the name of Jacob. Jacob, he has an interesting beginning. He is a twin. He has a brother named Esau. And while we don't know too much about Jacob based on his beginning, what we do know is that his brother was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, and he was greatly loved by his father. Jacob didn't really do what Esau did. And he didn't have the relationship with his dad that his brother did, but his mother loved him greatly, and he was more of a homebody. But what we come to discover as we study the life of Jacob is that though he was loved and approved by his mother, he was rejected because he deeply craved and desired the affirmation of his, of his father. So much of what he did was filtered through the lens of what he could not do because of how differently wired he was from Esau and how different his relationship with his father was from his brothers. So whereas his brother found his identity in hunting, Jacob said, I ain't got it like that. I'm, I'm not as good as Esau in that. So instead of finding his identity in hunting, he sought to find his identity in and through the area of his mind. He got a PhD in trickery. So the Bible, Genesis, it chronicles the life of, of Jacob, and it, it, it tells us that though he was not like his brother, he said, I may not be as strong as Esau. I may not be as powerful as Esau. I may not be as, as, as hairy or as skillful as Esau, but I'm definitely able to outsmart him. And not only am I able to outsmart him, but I'm able to finesse him and deceive him out of the blessings that he has over me. So to make a long story short, Jacob, he conspires with, with, with he, he has this moment where he has a conversation with his brother, basically connives him or manipulates him into selling his birthright. And then the story goes on that he and his mother, as his father is old and blind, they trick the father into giving him a blessing that was to be given to his brother Esau. Esau is mad when he hears the news. Esau is broken. He says that I hate my brother. 
He says he's going to do whatever is within his power to kill him. So Jacob, the trickster, has to find a way of escape. He runs to his mother's brother Laban's home, his home city, Padan Aram. And the trickster <laughs> finally meets his match in this place because Laban, it seems like trickery must have ran in the family or something. Jacob is, is encountering Laban, and Laban is doing whatever is within his power to trick and to manipulate Jacob, but somehow Jacob prevailed. And if you have two tricksters in the same place for too long, you can only live in the same place for so long without friction occurring. So the relationship was strained. And now, though Jacob has grown in Padan Aram, though he has increased in his influence in this place, though his family is growing, he now has to leave. And Laban says, once you leave here, you can't ever come back. So he has Laban behind him, and he's getting ready to go back to his hometown. But remember, he never reconciled the relationship with his brother. So he sends some messengers ahead of him, and he says, go, go see if you can talk Esau into receiving. See if you can tell him that I'm going to bring some gifts that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm coming back, but I'm not the same guy anymore. He's trying to see what he can do to manipulate his brother. And the messengers come back with a message from Esau, and he's, they say, Esau's actually on his way here. <laughs> and not only is he on his way here, but he's on his way here with an army of 400 people. So remember now, he can't go back to Padan Aram with Laban. He's on his way back to his hometown, and his brother's coming at him with, with an army, 400 people. So Jacob's stuck between a rock and a hard place. He now prays to God from a place of fear. God, I need you to help save me from my brother. But while praying, he's still trying to conspire and manipulate the situation to find a strategy to get himself out of this. So he sends some gifts ahead, sends his family ahead. Now he is by himself at night. And the text says that he is wrestling with a man. And he wrestles all night. We don't know how the fight started or when it started, but what we know is that Jacob and this man, they wrestle all night long. Somebody say all night long. The only thing we know about the man is that verse 25 refers to him as a man, but in verse 30, Jacob refers to him as God. Scholars suggest that the man is a pre-incarnate Christ. So Jacob is wrestling with the Lord. He's at a place where he doesn't know how he's going to go back. He doesn't know how he's going to face what's forward. And he is in a wrestling match now by himself with the Lord. He wrestles with the Lord and he hits his, his breaking point. He resisted all night long, but his day was breaking forth he continues wrestling with the Lord, and the text says that the Lord touches him in the area of his hip, and it broke. He broke. Somebody say it had to break. What broke, might you ask? Because I know the scientific people are saying a dislocation is not a break, right? But what broke, though Jacob's hip was dislocated, 
this, 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 this dislocation of his rib was a physical display of a spiritual principle that was occurring. God in this moment breaks Jacob's will. Jacob the trickster. Jacob the runner. Jacob the one who is always strategizing and scheming to find ways to undermine others and save himself. Cannot save himself in this situation. Somebody say it had to break. It had to break. And I believe that the text, the text that we're leaning into tonight is tailored to teach us a few things. So for my note takers, you can write this one down. Strength mismanaged becomes weakness. Somebody say it with me. Strength mismanaged becomes weakness. The enemy is so cunning. He's so intentional, so meticulous that he will pull on the strings of your strengths to get you to a place where you believe that you can be self-reliant, where you believe that you can be self-dependent without God. In fact, I believe that one of the greatest attacks, one of the greatest temptations that faces our generation is the temptation to see ourselves as our own God. It is the temptation to see ourselves as the one who makes the way for ourselves. We have this desire to be self-made, the intoxication of self. And our will, our ego, our way, if not managed, can get in the way of God having his way through our lives. It's not a bad thing to be ambitious. It's not a bad thing to be strong. It's not a bad thing to think highly of yourself. But we have to be mindful that there is a fine line between ambition and greed. There, there's a fine line between confidence and pride. There's, there's a fine line between properly stewarding strength and abusing that power. Somebody say it's a fine line. But when we're submitted to God, right, the Holy Spirit provides us with guardrails. And these guardrails are to keep us within the boundaries of God, to give us the ability and the strength to manage the gifts that we've been given by God so that we don't end up becoming enslaved to the gift. Because God called us to manage but what we don't adequately manage will master us. So we'll be mastered by our ego, mastered by our pride, mastered by our strength. Sometimes God sees what we don't see. In fact, God always sees what we don't see. And sometimes when God sends the break, it's because he's actually trying to help us to be delivered from the things that we don't even know we're oppressed or bound to. Strength mismanaged becomes weakness. I was playing basketball a couple of years ago. Any basketball lovers in the house? All right, y'all got to let me know when we're having the tournament. I'm ready. I'm ready. So I was playing basketball. I was playing basketball uh, a couple years ago. And throughout the process of the game, I went to dive for the ball, scraped my leg. And I'm not saying I'm Superman or anything like that, but it was a small cut. So I just got back up, brushed it off, kept on playing. 
I went home and didn't really disinfect it or anything like that. You know, I just put a little Band-Aid on. Again, it was a small cut. Just moved on and kept doing my thing. Well, four weeks later, it's crazy. I start noticing some abnormal growth on my leg. And not only am I noticing abnormal growth on my leg, I'm starting to have excruciating pain. I don't want to disgust anybody, but it wasn't a pretty sight. I'll just, I'll just keep it at that. So I went to the doctor, and the doctor said that because I failed to disinfect the cut, remember it was just a small cut, it became infected. And now, because it was infected, what I saw on the outside was only a small fraction in comparison to what began to grow on the inside. And whereas I could have disinfected it and allowed the healing process to begin then, I just covered it up, moved on, and acted as though everything was okay, but I didn't realize that because I didn't treat this small cut, it turned into a big problem. If I can be honest with you, the doctor had to end up cutting into my leg. He took a knife, made an incision, and had to drain the abscess from my leg because this, this, this small cut had turned into a major infection. And whereas the healing process, it hurt. You know, it's, it's not to say that it wouldn't have hurted had I done it before, but it hurt me a lot more because I didn't take the time to disinfect, to uncover and deal with that which was growing on the inside. So my perceived strength, remember I told you, I just, I bounced back. I was, I was cool, but my perceived strength actually resulted in a weakness and it became more painful for me to have to deal with the cut in order to adequately heal. But somebody say it had to break. God has a way of exposing us to what we refuse to address or uncover. But he's so gracious, God is so gracious that he will expose it to you before anybody else sees it. In fact, he'll expose it to you, and if you handle it right, he'll expose it to you so that nobody else sees it. But what you fail to adequately tend to will grow into something that cannot be ignored. Because people often expose to kill. But God, he's so kind that he will expose to heal. But if we don't lean into what he exposes to us, we're going to have to deal with the pain of the cut in order to heal. Some of us in this place, we've dressed some things that we have not addressed. We've covered some things that we have not actually healed from. We have hid some things that we have not yet dealt with. For some of you, you're like me, where you think that because you hid it under the cover, it stopped growing underneath the surface. You, you tried to outrun the wound. You tried to outrun the cut. You tried to outrun the pain and find your identity in 
people. You tried to find your identity in places. You tried to find your identity in your job, in your relationship, in substances, some of you even in ministry. But can I help you? God is saying that you cannot heal what you do not confront. You cannot be delivered from what you will not deal with. And sometimes God has to heal you through the break. Somebody say it had to break. It had to break. You won't heal until it breaks. You may think that your resilience is holding you up, is holding you together, is empowering you to keep on going, but maybe your unwillingness to uncover what's actually breaking you down on the inside may actually be holding you up from becoming the kind of person, from becoming the leader, from becoming the servant that God wants you to be in the earth. We think that because we were able to bounce back after what hurt us, that we weren't still wounded. And we covered it. We dressed it. But it's still growing on the inside. And God says that it has to break. This cut, it did not come to kill. But it came to drain out what's killing you and heal you in the areas that you didn't even know was broken. Because here it is. Not only is strength mismanaged, weakness, strength mismanaged becomes weakness, but grace is found in the break. Somebody say it's found in the break. It's found in the break and it had to break. God is so kind. God is so kind that he sees, he sees our desire to accelerate. He sees our desire to, to, to do things according to our way. He sees our zeal. He sees our passion. He sees our hunger. He sees our fervor. He sees the proclivity that we at times have to be self-sufficient. And as he sees what we are doing, as he sees the way that we are running, he knows that we want to push full throttle. He knows that we want to just, you know, Get up, brush the dirt off, and keep on running without dealing with the pain, without dealing with the trauma, without dealing with the baggage that we're carrying. And he sees that we think that we're strong, that we think that we've mastered pain management, that we think that we're not still wounded. But he is aware that if we fail to slow down, like a good driving instructor, he's aware that if we fail to slow down as we're accelerating full speed, tunnel vision, not looking back, tunnel vision, not dealing with what wounded us on the inside, he knows that we will ultimately crash. So God will oftentimes institute and enforce a break. Somebody say it had to, it had to break. It had to break. The break, it does not stop you from moving, but it stops you from allowing the enemy or your desires to drive you to a place where your wants lead you to crash. Some of you are wondering why you didn't get accepted into the program. Some of you are wondering why the relationship had to end. Some of you are wondering why you didn't get accepted for the job. Some of you are wondering why it seems that all of your friends turned their back on you. Why it is that you lost everything that made you you but help me say it one more time it had it had to break it had to break because what you could not see what we could not see is that what we thought was our strength 
was actually pulling us down because we were leaning on our ability instead of seeing our identity as found in who Jesus says we are. Instead of seeing our identity in what the word of God says that we are. So sometimes God has to break you to the place where you can see right. It might be painful. It might hurt. It might not be ideal. But it heals you on the inside and fixes your vision so that you can be better in alignment with what God desires to do. Somebody say, thank God for the break. I wonder if you could just take a moment to think back to some things that broke in your life and say, God, you know what? I, I didn't see it then, but I see now that it, it had to break. That, 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 that person I thought was for me, that job that I thought was for me, that city that I thought was for me, God, I thank you that you broke me away from what I thought that I needed to show me that everything that I need is found in you. Jacob had to be broken. He couldn't outrun his past. He couldn't lean on the tricks or the schemes to get him out of this one. But he must now face what he would otherwise not. He must face his brother Esau because he physically is incapable of running. It had to break. Watch the text, verse 26. As Jacob is wrestling with the man and day breaks, the man says, let me go for it is daybreak. And I love this. I love this because Jacob as he is at a place where he is broken, as he is at the place where I can imagine his life is flashing before his eyes. I can imagine tears falling, rushing from his face. He is hurting. He is broken. He is wounded, but he's holding on. And he says, I will not let go until you bless me. I will not let go unless you bless me. I may not be able to hold on to my identity anymore. I may not be able to hold on to my schemes or my tricks anymore. But look at it. He's in a place where he's holding on to the Lord and will not let go until he blesses him. Somebody say, Lord, I'm holding on. I'm holding on. The break positions him to hold on to and to experience God in a new way. It's one thing to know God as the God of excess, but how many of you know that God is the God that is with us in lack? God is the God that is with us in struggle. God is the God that is with us through all seasons, through all moments, but you gotta hold on. Gotta hold on. Because God's grace is healing you in the area of your life that is actually breaking you down. Jacob's hip is dislocated, but he doesn't realize that it's his determination, his focus on doing things his way that is actually breaking him down internally. And God sometimes has to institute a break to heal you in an area that you don't even know is broken. But my brother, my sister, it had, had to break. Strength mismanaged becomes weakness. Grace is found in the break. Here's my last one. Weakness surrendered to God becomes strength. Weakness surrendered to God becomes strength. Jacob's life it changes in the moment that he surrenders to God. The moment that he lets go of himself. The moment that he lets go of his way. And the moment that he says, I'm holding on and I won't let go. 
And what he didn't realize is that God was already working on the thing that he feared most. Because the text goes on that as Jacob goes to meet his brother Esau, his brother runs toward him. Remember, he has a dislocated hip. He can't even run. His brother is running toward him. Arms wide open. He embraces him and he forgives him. The very thing that he was most afraid to face. God already handled it. And so often we're afraid to face things because we don't know what the outcome will be. But can I help you? God already has it handled. God already has it handled. God already has it handled. And he has to get you to the place where you're prepared for what he's already prepared for, for you. Somebody say it one more time. It had to, it had to break. God gets Jacob to a place where before he could face his brother, he has to face himself and surrender himself, his life to God. Before he can get to chapter 2, he has to be dealt with in this chapter of his story. And I love the text, verse 27. The Lord asks him, what is your name? Whew. He says, my name is Jacob. And the Lord says, that's not your name. That's not your name anymore. He calls himself by who he's been. He calls himself by who he's known himself to be. He calls himself by his past. But God says, that's not who you are anymore. Your name is Israel. For you have struggled with God and with man and you have prevailed. It had to break. It had to break. Because what Jacob does not realize and what so many of us don't realize is that the bridge between who we've been and who we're becoming is the break. We're praying, Lord, take me there. Lord, do a work in me. Lord, I want to be used by you. Lord, I want you to have your way in my life. But what we don't realize is that we cannot become who God has designed us to be until we experience the break. He breaks him. He breaks him to the place where his agenda no longer matters. He breaks him to the place where he empties himself. He breaks him to the place where he can truly heal. But a healing of wholeness can only be preceded by God's break. And it is then and only then that as we surrender our lives and our hearts to the Lord, after being broken, holding on and not letting go, that we can see what God is able to do with and through our weakness. Y'all remember Creed, right? All right, let's pick that up again. So after Adonis is broken, his rib is broken, and he has to go through the restoration and the healing process. But what he doesn't realize is that though he is broken in his rib, he's also broken in some other places. He's broken in the area of his will. He's broken in the area of his self-sufficiency. He's broken in the area of his ego. Remember I said when it was time to get into the ring with Drago, everybody said not yet. And he said, I'm going to do what I want to do. But after he's broken, right, he had a relationship that was strained with his mentor, 
For all my, for all my old school lovers, Rocky, he, he, he had a strained relationship with Rocky. Rocky said, don't do it. He said, I'm going to do it anyway. But after he's broken, the relationship is rekindled. He says, okay, you know what? My way didn't work. So I need to listen to some counsel. My way didn't work. So I need to take into consideration what my family is saying. He went back into the ring at a later point, but he went back as a different man. He went back with different help in his corner. He went back understanding that what he is doing, it's not just about him. He went from I'm going to do it to we did it. He went from me to we. He beat Drago in the fight. But after he had been, been to a place where he had been broken. Some of us, we struggle because we don't know how to handle the season and the place that God has us in when we still feel broken. Because the breaking, as I said, it's in the middle, but the messiest place is often in the middle. The most difficult place to trust God is often in the middle. You heard what he said in the beginning. You're waiting to see it at the end, but you don't know when it's going to come to pass. Sometimes you might feel like you're in obscurity in the middle. You might have to go into the desert and train and prepare, and it feels like this is nonsensical in the middle. But can I help you? God is doing a work in the middle. God is doing a work through the breaking. God is doing something in and through your life where he's healing you from what's actually breaking you down to, break, to make you into who he's called you to become. Jacob, it's after he's broken that his identity changed. And so many of you like Jacob. You say that I'm a liar. I've lied too much. I've cheated too much. I've been discounted by everybody and rightfully so because of what I did. But whereas people will call you by who you used to be, whereas the enemy will seek to define you by who you used to be, God says that's not who you are anymore. God says that's not your name anymore. God is saying that from the place of brokenness, I'm calling out a new you. I'm calling your Israel to come forth. I'm calling you my beloved. I'm calling you redeemed. I'm calling you saved. I'm calling you justified. But it has to be preceded by the break. Paul puts it this way. If we could pull it up. Paul says that he is dealing this is Paul as he's dealing with a thorn in his flesh. We don't know if it's a spiritual thorn, if it's a physical thorn, or if it's an emotional thorn. But he prays to God and asks God to remove it three times. And as he asks God, he's crying out, this thing is tormenting him. But the Lord says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul testifies to himself. He says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest on me. God's power is not perfect at the expense of your weakness, but he meets you in the place. Because it's when you can acknowledge where you're weak that you can see his strength activated in your life. And he goes on. 
He says, that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness. I delight in insults. I delight in hardships. I delight in persecution. Because when I am weak, then I am strong. Then I am strong. As we surrender our weakness to the Lord, it's then that he gives us his strength. Theologian A.W. Tozer, he puts it like this. It is doubtless whether God can use a man greatly until he has hurt or broken him deeply. Because God has a way of using the breaking point as the tipping point into the new beginning. You thought that your story ended where you broke. But God said, this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. And is anybody thankful to God that it did not end where I thought that it would? It did not end where I thought that it should? But my story, like the song said, is still unfolding. My story is still being written because he has his hand on me. He hasn't given up on me. He still loves me. And I wonder if we could rise to our feet one more time, lift up our hands, throw our head back, and say, God, I thank you. Thank you for the break. Thank you for the break. Thank you for the break. It's as we're broken that we can testify, like the, like the songwriter Richard Smallwood said, that, Lord, I will lift mine eyes to the hill, knowing that my help, it doesn't come from my money. It doesn't come from my relationship. It doesn't come from what people say about me. It doesn't even come from what I think about myself. But it comes from you. It comes from you. And he goes on to say that, Lord, you are the source of my strength. You are the strength of my life. And I lift my hands. Come on, let's lift our hands. I lift my hands in total praise. I lift my hands in surrender. I'm not giving up, but I'm letting go of things my way. Because hear me. God flips the human paradigm on its head. The greatest display of weakness being the symbol and the sign of strength is Jesus Christ. The gospel is the hope for our world. The gospel is the hope for our hearts. And through what looked like defeat, God was actually bringing forth the greatest victory. Through his death, we found life. Through brokenness, we find healing. Through suffering, we find joy. Because Jesus counted the cost. The scripture says he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. And I know that some of you may still feel broken tonight, that some of you may still be broken tonight, but this breaking has not come to kill you. This breaking has not come to destroy you, but God is healing you through the break. Thank you, Jesus. 
Come on, as the worship team is getting ready to lead us back into worship, let's bow our heads one more time and just say, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for the break. I thank you for the break. I thought it was breaking me down, but God, it was really breaking me through. It was you all along. It was you all along, and I thank you. Father God, you see your people tonight. You see our hearts. You see our needs and our desires. You see the pain that we carry. Some of us are still limping in some places because of the pain of the break. But God, when we look back over our lives, we consider that you were actually saving us from what we mislabeled as strength. That you delivered us through your breaking. And you invite us to surrender our weakness to you that you might meet us here and cause us to have strength. We thank you for the strength of the Lord. We thank you for the hope of the Lord. We thank you that you have not given up on us, that you have not forsaken us, that you will never forsake us, but you love us with an everlasting love, that you died the death that we deserved, that you lived the life that we could not live, and you, you were raised to life again, that we might come to a newness of life in you. We thank you. We praise you. And we pray, God, that you would make us into who you desire for us to be. That as you've broken us, we understand, God, that it had to happen, that it had to break. And Lord God, we pray in the name of Jesus that as you have made us whole, as you have made us over, that you would empower us to do what you've called us to do. We bless your name that we will never be broken in that place again because you are our healer. And you're performing the surgery on our hearts. You're restoring our minds you are allowing us to find our identity etched in you. So be glorified tonight. We worship you. We praise you. And we pray that you would have your way. We thank you for the break. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's lift our hands again. Clap our hands and celebrate the Lord Jesus. It had to break.